Hello and welcome to the Libertarian Podcast from the Hoover Institution. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, joined as always by the Libertarian himself, Professor Richard Epstein, Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution, as well as Professor of Law at NYU and Senior Lecturer at the University of Chicago. Today, Apple and the FBI. So Richard, this has been a huge source of debate over the last week or so. You had a federal magistrate order Apple to help the FBI get into the phone of one of the San Bernardino terrorists. They're the only ones who can do it and Apple is resisting that, saying that it would create a backdoor that could then be used to open up anyone's iPhone if it got into the wrong hands. You wrote about this for Defining Ideas this week. And you said in that column, quoting you here, the first myth to dispel is that the current case has anything to do with data privacy at all. Explain what you mean by that. Well, one of the things to understand about this case is that um, if you look at the way in which these things go, the owner of the particular phone is willing to waive any claim with respect to it. If you look further and then you ask the following question as to whether or not the government um, would be able to get information that's stored in the cloud within the exclusive possession of um, uh, the um, Apple company or anybody else. The answer is if they have a subpoena and they can show probable cause with respect to a particular investigation and so forth, they can always get that particular data. Uh, so there's nothing about the data which is sacrosanct or to put it in a more vivid form, suppose it turned out that all the information that um, Apple had was in a locked cabinet in its safe. And the government comes knocking on the door and it says one of two things. It says, I, the guy who happens to own the stuff, wants you to open the safe and open the locked box and give us all the data. Or B, here's a warrant showing probable cause describing the things that we need to search with great particularity. Give it to us. In both of those cases, the government command would necessarily win. There would be no Fourth Amendment objection, no due process objection, because they would be certainly enabled to be heard before this goes on. So the question then is what changes when it turns out that this thing is in a phone um, that is locked? Well, what's changed in this thing is several things. First of all, it turns out that uh, a warrant won't do it because if Apple just stands aside, uh, there's nothing that the government can do by hypothesis in order to extract the information from the phone. And so what's happening in this particular case is the government is doing something much more daring, which is to ask Apple for its assistance in order to open up the phone. Is this a proper or an improper request? Answer is it depends. What does it depend upon? Well, if it turns out that the government had 15 other firms that it can turn to in order to open this particular phone, it should be able to hire any one of them and it can do the work for it. And Apple would not be able to say a thing even if it turned out that the government broke the code and used it somewhere else. But in this particular case, Apple has a monopoly over the technology that might, not necessarily will, be able to break the encryption device that they put on them. And so what the government has said in a very limited situation is this. I don't have anybody else to go to. I've got to go to you. I don't want you to put a backdoor into the phone that I can operate. All I want you to do is to make sure that you use your technicians in whatever fashion you see fit and give us a way that when we start putting electronic passcodes into this phone, it turns out that we can open it without erasing the data. You keep everything there. And that seems to me to be the kind of request which is reasonably well balanced. And one of the things I get troubled about Tim Cook is he keeps going forward and saying they want us to create a backdoor. I actually wrote about this 18 years ago or so and I took the very strong position. Nobody should be required to build in a backdoor into any kind of electronic device that the government could access at will. It compromises the system and it undermines the warranty requirement. But that's not what's being asked for in this case. 
The concern has been that if Apple complies with this order, that essentially you can't uh, you can't unring that bell, and that once the technology is out there, as soon as it ends up on the wind, everyone's digital security is potentially vulnerable. And as you, you mentioned, I know you've had misgivings about that in the past. Why is this distinct? Well, what happens is nobody's asking Apple to turn its technology over to the government. They're saying you can keep whatever you develop proprietary and you can destroy it. So what Tim Cook should go out there and it says, look, we've had to comply with the government. They've made a request for data, which we think we can honor without compromising your data because the only person who has this particular information is us. And then he could say either A or B. A, he can say we've destroyed this thing which is kind of silly because they're going to have to do it again when the next request that is valid comes along, or we've kept it under the highest security condition. Apple keeps thousands of trade secrets. Everybody in the computer business does it. Now, there is always a chance that this thing will start to leak. Well, if it does leak and then there's some compromise, Apple has another situation. Another response is, okay, everybody with an iPhone who really cares about this, come back to us and we'll put a patch on this thing, which will make it impervious to the keys that have already been leaked. And you could do that immediately. Uh, so I don't think that this is a backdoor case at all. If the government had asked Apple to give it the technology, I would be first and foremost amongst those strongly opposed to that because I don't trust the government any more than anybody else does. That's why you want the consent and the, and the warrant requirements. Those are what are used in every other case. There's no reason why they can't work here. You mentioned the potential of Apple having to keep that technology around for future similar requests. The sort of rhetorical framing of this case originally was, look, this is exclusive to sort of this one phone. We now know that there are other sort of requests in process. How does that affect, if at all, um, the state of play here that we are now potentially talking about multiple phones? Well, what it does rhetorically is to give Apple a victory which it ought not to have received. Um, when Comey comes out and said, first, it's this phone and this phone only, narrow particularistic request, it won't be done again. Um, and then he changes his mind. He sounds a little bit hypocritical and seems to be playing into the fears that everybody else had. But I think the correct answer to this situation is the fact that there may be five or 10 or 50 cases in which this kind of information is essential to ongoing criminal or terrorist investigation only shows how important the question is. So if you get the balance right in the first case, in the manner in which I've said it, that balance should supply in every other case. The government should never be able to get this information without meeting the raw requirements or the consent requirements. And if those are applied in each and every case, then there's no problem. This is tantamount to saying, I mean, the objection, oh, we know that uh, we have this lockbox and this safe and all these confidential files in Apple's possession. We'll give it to you this time, but if you file an identical warrant for an identical box by somebody else, we don't have to give it to you at all. Uh, the government has to issue thousands upon thousands of warrants each year. Uh, the whole point about the Fourth Amendment is each of them gets particularistic attention because of the requirement of specificity. And if that attention is given and satisfied in each individual case, what we should say as follows. We think in this particular case, it's beneficial that the government gets the information. In all the other cases in which this information is provided, we think it's beneficial as well. Uh, so I don't think the numerosity thing points one way or another. If the balance is in favor of the government in the one situation, then the balance in the government satisfying the warrant and or consent requirements is in its favor in all. I want to get your reaction to Tim Cook, the Apple CEO's reading of the law here. He wrote an open letter to Apple customers. Here's what he said. 
quote, rather than asking for legislative action through Congress, the FBI is proposing an unprecedented use of the All Writs Act of 1789 to justify an expansion of its authority. Then a little later, he says, the implications of the government's demands are chilling. If the government can use the All Writs Act to make it easier to unlock your iPhone, it would have the power to reach into anyone's device to capture their data. The government could extend this breach of privacy and demand that Apple build surveillance software to intercept your messages, access your health records or financial data, track your location, or even access your phone's microphone or camera. Without your knowledge, fair reading of the legal implications. Everything? This is as bad a piece of intellectual stupidity and demagoguery as I've ever heard in a public debate. I'll go back to what I said about the warrant requirement and specificity and the consent requirement. Well, if you're going to start having these absolute searches over everything, nobody is going to consent to that. And where is the government going to make a probable cause showing for the generalized surveillance that he's talking about? Uh, what he is talking about is a proposal which every sane person ought to to reject, which is that the government could build its own backdoors into every piece of equipment and open up and look at its free will and pleasure every time it wants. It is totally irresponsible as part of the general intellectual debate to assume that the government request in fact, is the request that he has framed it about. Um, the most frightening thing is that the leader of a major American technological corporation is so ignorant about the law that he just fans re ridiculous hysteria about this kind of thing. Now, look, there's a serious issue in this particular case. And when I put my uh, column up on the Hoover site, there were several people saying, Epstein, you don't understand the technology. I plead guilty to that charge. If it turns out that there are other people who can be accessed in order to do what the government wants, then there's no reason to call Apple. But as you put at the top of the show, everybody concedes that it has, given the fact that it created the software, it has a huge operational advantage, a virtual monopoly over everybody else. So those options aren't there. And in fact, one of the things that's perfectly clear is, and one of the things we should worry about, is independent of the Apple phone, all the things that Cook is talking about, the government can do with its own technology right now. Uh, there are all sorts of very heavy limitations on the way in which this has worked. And if you start looking at the way in which we try to separate terrorism investigations that involves people at home and those that people abroad, we've been running this program now for about close to 10 years, eight years or nine years and so forth. And there's yet to be a single verifiable breach in the way in which it's done. I think it's a real shame a real disgrace to sort of confuse the kind of shenanigans that routinely take place at the IRS and other kind of government institutions, which those which take place in the commu intelligence community and the CIA. There's been no evidence of irregularity on their points, and if Cook has some, you ought to come forward and put it up. The one incident that I recall some years ago uh, was that they collected some information from Washington, D.C. telephones, but it was because of a coding error. They put in 2.0 instead of 2.0.2, and 2.0 is Egypt, and 2.0.2 is Washington. And the moment it was alerted to them, they destroyed all the data in question. So there was very powerful rectification. And, you know, I'm not a great fan of government, and I certainly don't want to treat all government branches equally competent. And God knows I'm not a fan of the Obama administration when it comes to the way in which they treat for example, a J.P. Morgan Chase. But in this particular situation, their legal papers were far stronger uh, than Mr. Cook is giving credit for. He's done this so many times. The man was an ignoramus when he started to talk about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, misquoted that. His antitrust position in the Apple case um, by the government is extremely weak as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this man is a public relations disaster, and I'm quite happy to call him out, and I'm doing it on a MacBook Air. 
<laughs> we know at this point, Richard, because they've telegraphed the punch, that Apple is intending to argue that this is a debate that should be taking place in Congress, not something that should simply be dispensed with through the courts. Uh, how do you react to that line of argument? Well, I mean, the answer is he's right and wrong. Anytime you have a statute like the All Writs Act, which has been on the books since 1789 in one form or another, it is always appropriate for somebody to say that we ought to reconsider this in Congress and put a fix. But what he's doing is he's switching the burden of proof. Under the current law, it turns out that the government is correct. And now he's saying what they have to do is to go to get Congress and get them to ratify that which is already on the statute book. No other claimant in any Fourth Amendment case has ever raised that kind of contention. And it's totally irresponsible on his part. He wants to do something on a march into Congress, explain what it is and why it's going to be more appropriate. So he's just got the burdens wrong. If this were a case where the activities were not authorized, then of course you would need congressional action to move it. And there are lots of things about the digital age which were not covered, which is why we have all the problem with Pfizer, right? Uh, it was done in an age in which you could tap cell phones in a, or landlines in a perfectly obvious way and the 1978 statute is completely immobile and, and irrelevant for modern use, the appropriate response back in 2002 is for the Bush administration to put forward reforms that it wanted. It didn't do that. It claimed unilaterally the inherent power of the presidency, largely a totally improper claim, and it got itself into trouble. So what I think should happen is he's hired two very, very competent lawyers. Instead of trying to defend this case, which I hope he gets really thrashed on, uh, what he ought to do is to have them draft a statute that he thinks will make the proper accommodation. I don't think he can improve on the current status quo. Uh, so my view about Mr. Cook, he's been an all-around loser uh, ever since he's taken over on the public relations side and the legal relations side of his particular office. So final question, and you, you teased it a little bit there a moment ago, but assuming that there is no legislative intervention anytime soon, how do you anticipate this playing out through the courts? Well, I mean, first First of all, what, the good news for the for Apple is that this is not an emergency situation. And what will happen is they will obviously run out the string as long as they can. I'm unhappy about that because if there's information of value, we know that it's going to deteriorate over time if the government doesn't get it um, quite away. I think it will go up. I don't think it will make get to the Supreme Court, I think he will be thrashed in the courts because if you looked at the government's papers, uh, for once they're, they're basically playing it straight. They have a very powerful brief out there. The magistrate judge issued a very thoughtful order, amongst other things she said to Apple. Um, if you think this is onerous in any particular way, tell us what you'd like us to change and we'll consider it. And of course, he didn't take advantage of that because there's nothing within the frame of the order which would allow him to demand a sort of more narrowing of the particular situation. Situation. And then I think he will lose in court. The real tragedy of this man, this Mr. Cook guy, is that when he talks in this particular fashion and the government looks at the case, he's making it sound as though it's catastrophic when it's not. Um, so what he should do is essentially pull his punches, cooperate with the government, basically say, mea culpa, I just got it completely wrong. The key thing for you to understand is we have this technology under lock and key with every possible fiber of our being, and we will only open it up in the event that there's a valid search warrant, and only if the government can give us the particular phone in question. You keep your phone in your pocket, ladies and gentlemen. You are safe. That's what he ought to say. I regard this man as simply unbelievably inept in his public performance. All right. Thank you, Richard, and thank you to our listeners. And remember, you can find Richard's weekly column, The Libertarian, by visiting Defining Ideas at Hoover.org, and you can follow him on Twitter at Richard A. Epstein. 
For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.